In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated, but, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Hey, professional homegirls, it's your girl Ebene here and welcome back to the Professional Homegirl Podcast. Now today, we are diving into the profound journey of a woman whose midday commute transformed into a complete nightmare. Imagine this, she's leaving work, she decided to head home to get some rest instead of hitting the gym, only to encounter a whole nut consumed by road rage unleashing seven shots upon her yes seven shots in the wake of this tragedy she shares her reflections on the impact the shortcomings of the legal system 
and the power of forgiveness. Join me as we explore the chilling realities of road rage and the resilience it takes to overcome. I almost lost my life to road rage. Starting now. So to my guests, thank you so much for being on the show. How are you? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Well, y'all, since she asked, I was just telling her about how it took me forever to get home because I was on the train for damn near two hours. But besides that, I had a really, really good day. So thank you for asking. Of course. That's good to hear. Yes. Now, it's been almost two years since you almost lost your life. In what ways has this experience impacted your perspective on life? Oh my goodness. This experience, um, has changed my life in so many ways. Yeah. Um, I definitely struggled with trying to find a sense of self again after it happened. Mm. Um, it's been a slow process, but slowly, but surely I'm finding my footing and, you know, kind of, it was a second chance of life. So that's how I'm seeing it and, you know, taking on every opportunity I can and making the most of it. Yeah. Do you know anyone that has been affected by gun violence? Um, I actually recently went to a Changemaker Summit Mm -hmm. where I met a lot of other um, young Black individuals who Mm -hmm. they're either their family members, friends, that they are impacted by gun violence nearly every day. Um, So, yeah, I was able to, you know, meet some new people and form some new relationships. Yeah. How do you navigate discussions around this experience with others who may not fully understand the impact of such a traumatic event? Um, So typically how I navigate this discussion about, you know, gun violence and what happened to me, Mm -hmm. um, I typically like to just remind them that everyone's story is completely different. Right. Just because, you know, they're hearing one thing from me, it doesn't mean it's true or that it's not true Mm -hmm. for someone else. Um, Every um, experience is completely different, whether a wounded survivor, non-wounded, or your loved one was um, a victim of gun violence. Um, Everything about it, it's so unique to each person. Um, that it can be, you know, quite difficult to narrow down, you know, like some of the pinpoint spots where um, it gets tricky to talk about, like, just on a daily basis, how physical things can be quite a challenge. Yeah. Is it hard for you to share your story? Um, It's not hard for me to share or talk about my story. Um, Even while I was still hospitalized, I was sharing it with the nurses and doctors after um, they took the tube that was down my throat out. I was able to talk about it and I've still been able to talk about it with no problem. Mm. But do you find comfort in being able to have these conversations with people who have similar backgrounds? Oh, 100%. Being able to talk with other um, uh, survivors or, you know, people, their loved ones, you know, either they lost their life or they're wounded. Um, Just being able to unfortunately make these trauma bonds, but it's something that, you know, people involved in it, we, we understand and we get it. Um, right. So it's been very eye-opening to just um, learn about so many other people's journeys. Yeah. And she told me where she was from. And I'm like, I was thinking to myself, like, this don't really happen in places like that. Or did you move? No. Yeah. So I originally, um, I was living in Kansas City at the time that the shooting happened. Wow, that's crazy. So let's start from the beginning. Tell us about your day. Yeah. So, um, I had just gotten off of work. I worked a little part-time job as a receptionist Mm -hmm. at the time. It was amazing. Um, so I was headed on my way home. I had just left. Um, and I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to skip the gym today. I just need to go home. What made you skip the gym? You was just tired? 
Yeah, I was tired. I was a pre-law student at the time, so I had mm. a few assignments I had to do. <laughs> so I was like, you know, let me just go home and, you know, just start working on what I need to do. Right. So I left and it wasn't until I had literally gotten off my exit. Um, I had turned left and I had looked in my rearview mirror as I was driving and I saw someone just like speeding up really fast. And like eventually they swerved into like the other lane, oncoming traffic. Mm -hmm. um, they almost caused a head on collision. But right before they did that, they swerved right back over into the right lane, which is the lane I was in. Um, as soon as they swerved over, they stopped, slammed on the brakes, got out, and immediately fired nine shots into my car. So was he um, trying to catch up with you, or was he just... So our paths never crossed. He was never on the freeway. Um, mm. So I had he was already on the main street that I had turned onto. Um, but I never saw him because he was behind me. Mm -hmm. um, so I never saw him until he was, like, passing me and stuff and, like, swerving. Um, but he got... As soon as he like passed me, swerved, got back right in front of me. He slammed on the brakes, got out, and just immediately just fired those shots into my car. Um, and, and I got hit seven times. And what were you thinking? Like, could you believe what you were seeing? Because that would have like freaked me. Out. I, I, yeah. I don't know what I would have did. Like, did. Like, did you black out or? It was insane. Like, I didn't even know what was going on. But I'm going to tell you right now, Kansas City drivers, like, they're insane to begin with. They, they really they drive however they want. <laughs> the speed limit could be thirty. They're going seventy still. Like they they don't care. They're ruthless. Wow. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was crazy because like I was literally in my own little world. I was like jamming to my music. Like I didn't even know what was going on until like I saw like as he was like passing me. I looked over. And I was like, kind of like, what the hell is going on? Right. And then as soon as he like got like past me and before he caused that head-on collision he just swerved over and like I had already started to slow down because I was like I don't I don't think I could you don't know what he was doing right yeah and I was like I, I don't know what to do but um the crazy part is so he swerved right back in front of me and so I connected with his car like at like 10 miles an hour mm -hmm. and like that was my first car accident ever so I was just like looking around. I was like, okay, let me just see like where to pull off. And like, as soon as like I looked back, like right in front of me, he was just standing there holding the gun. And before I knew it, I think as soon as I looked up, he had already fired the first shot. Um, but as soon as like I realized what was going on, I just tried to duck and get under like my steering wheel. But um, I think before I could duck, I was already hit at least three or four shoulder? times. Right. Um, yeah, it was my right arm. Um, so I think I was already hit three or four times in my arm. Mm -hmm. And then the other shots went through to my side. So as I was trying to duck, like bones were breaking and like I couldn't get to where I needed to go. Were you in a car or like were you in a truck or? I was I was in a car. I was in a little Ford Focus <laughs> and the driver was in a truck. Wow. That is fucking crazy. And did you see anybody else around like? Or they probably was just trying to run. There was tons of people around. It was 1.30, so it was like lunchtime and stuff. So there was people, you know, coming both directions. There was some people like walking on the street. Mm -hmm. And like none of those people stopped to help me. Not a single person. Um, it wasn't until a few minutes later, someone who lived in that neighborhood, they came to help me. Um, and they helped me stay on the phone with 911. I called 911 on my own because everyone else was like just shook. And then people just started driving off. Yeah, I know you over niggas. 
I know you, <laughs> I know you hate people. Because the yeah. fact, I'm, if I'm playing devil's advocate, maybe people are just in a state of shock. But right mm-hmm. at this point, he has, like, he just, so what made him leave? Like, he just fled the scene? Um, so right after he fired those shots, he actually, he walked up to my car and I was like, this is over. Like, he's about to shoot me in the head. Like, I didn't know what was going to happen. He said something, but I couldn't hear him. My windows were up. Um, and then he ran back to his truck and he just drove off. Um, and then, yeah, after that, I had to call 911 on my own. There's people, there was a lady, she literally walked up to my car. She told me, oh, you're not, you're not, you're fine. You're fine. You got to go. I was like, no, you need to call 911 and put pressure what? on my wounds. Yeah. I, I think she had maybe a mental health condition. So I think she was panicked. Um, but she was like, no, you got to go. And she was like, sorry, I got to go. She didn't help me. She didn't call 911. So I called 911. And the first time I tried to call, I didn't go through. So, yeah, at that point, I was like, like this I'm done it. for. Like, right. Yeah. But wow. I don't know. Something in me, like, I was like, hey, Siri. Calm down one one and finally like it connected and went through. But as soon as it went through, it was like all lines are busy. Please hold. I was like, all or right. maybe and everybody it, else was trying to call too. Um, apparently this is a common thing in Kansas City. If you try to call nine one one, you're gonna be placed on hold. Like, I don't know what the deal is, but it's a huge issue and um Child, you about to have niggas moving out of nine one yeah. moving out of Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can't drive, you can't call the police. Yeah, it's it was insane. But like after I called nine one one, you know they got there pretty quick. Like thankfully, um, so I was literally two minutes from my house. I was like right around the corner. Oh my god! Um, and I lived um, really close to the fire department, so they were able to get there in no time. Thankfully, so like the ambulance came and everything. And um, I remember they couldn't see my injuries, so right. everything hit me on the right, and they were trying to get me out. You know, the driver's side on the left. And they couldn't see anything. Could so you, all they could could you do, talk? Like, I could talk, mm-hmm. um, but like I was like in and out of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, I was losing a lot of blood. Yeah, you were um, shot seven times. Yeah. Um, so I was bleeding out mostly. It was internal. Like I was bleeding out internally. So I was like passing out, coming back. And they got me out of my car onto like the pavement, like in the middle of the road. And they, they, like, I could just see they were, like, panicked because they couldn't tell, like, what where my injuries were and what to do. Right. I was wearing, um, it was cold. It was October. So I had this Sherpa jacket on. So they couldn't see anything. So I ended up, I had to, like, shimmy my way by myself onto the freaking stretcher. Because oh they were, God. like, they're, like, are you hitting the neck? Are you, like, they were trying to figure out, like, what was one, going on. They didn't on. probably want to move you the wrong way either because exactly. I'm pretty sure yeah. some bullets were inside of you. So one wrong move and it can trap. Man, yeah. that is crazy. And then they loaded me back up, up into the ambulance. And <laughs> the first thing I told the um, EMTs, I was, like, give me some meds and take me home. I have a case brief I need to submit. Like, I, I need to go home. I'm a pre-law student. I don't have time for this. Like, I need to go home. I didn't realize how severely I had been injured. Could you feel um, it? No. Oh, so you probably went to a shock. Yeah, complete shock and all that adrenaline. Um, I do oh. remember, though, um, right before the ambulance came, like, I saw my arm and it was, like, backwards. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, it, so it hit my elbow. Right. So it basically, how the um, surgeon put it was, like, 
it shattered. It completely shattered. So I have a rod in my arm now to help keep my bones together. (laughs) Listen, let me tell y'all something. This ain't nothing but the grace of God because my guest, (laughs) she is just as pretty as she want to be. Clear skin, (laughs) glasses, like pretty teeth. Like she do. You do not look like your story. Yeah. And that's why nobody seems to believe me until I start showing scars and pictures. And I'm like, oh my God. Like you can see a little bit of like the scar. Oh, I see your scars. Yeah. Cause I was doing research on you yeah. and then you have a, a scar yeah. on your stomach. Mm-hmm. You know, before we continue, so you've been getting pushback. Like you, people been feeling like you don't, that you're lying. Yep. Wow. People think that I'm lying. I've made the story up. Um, Who was people? I, um, so I've been posting on social media since probably January of last year. Right. So just random, random people, just people I don't even know. They don't know me, but they're like, there has to be more to the story. Um, you had to do something for him to do that. And I'm like, no, like I have the dash camera footage to prove that like, literally I didn't do anything. Like right. I was just driving. Um, but people don't believe that like, I didn't provoke the shooter and that, um, like I didn't know him. Even the cops were like, Oh, like this always happens, you know, like boyfriend, girlfriend stuff. And I'm married at the time anyway. Right. And so, (laughs) yeah, but the, it was a lot. And so the cops didn't believe when I started posting about my experience, people online obviously didn't believe and they're hesitant to help. So yeah, the cops got got some fucking nerves. First of all, you had, you was placed on hold (laughs) the first time they didn't answer. (laughs) And now they saying you lying. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. That is crazy. So what were the physical injuries that you sustained during this incident? Um, so I had I had quite a few. So yeah. the biggest one was that my inferior vena cava, um, a bullet had, I guess, I don't know if it was just like a graze or if it went all the way through. And that's the largest that's vein the- in your body, y'all. That's the one vein that you mm-hmm. need to survive. Yep. Um, so that got hit. Um, that's the injury that was killing me. Um, besides the rest of the internal bleeding. So my stomach, my uh, liver, my large and small intestine, um, and my spleen, those were all damaged. Um, My small intestine had 14 holes through it. Um, Typically, the small intestine is anywhere from like 16 to 22 feet. Right. Um, And for someone to be able to live, if they have to have bowel resections, you need at least eight feet. I was left with six feet. (laughs) And they were shocked that I didn't need a colostomy colostomy bag right. and um, like that. So are you able to not not tea at my bar? Are you able to poop? <laughs> I am. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, seriously. Because yeah, because you can do- still do every function. Oh um, wow. Necessary. Like, um, I don't know. I can still have children if I want to. Like oh wow. Somehow everything else basically internally in my abdomen got injured. Um, my spleen, basically, they said it, it liquefied. It, it, they had to remove it. <laughs> um, and your spleen is a part of your immune system, so I'm now immunocompromised um, mm. without it. Um, and then the other injury, of course, was my arm, my right arm, that elbow, completely shattered. Um, and then just throughout, like, the hospital stay and stuff, um, like, one of my lungs got nicked. So I had a few issues there, and I had to end up having a thoracotomy so that they could clear out the blood in my lungs. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. 
Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative. The 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your 
your perfect home sweet home. If I don't know if I saw this somewhere, but you you pretty much died and came back to life, right? I did. So the first night I was hospitalized, I don't remember any of this. I was completely out. Right. Um, tube down my throat, everything. Um, my family told me, the doctors told me. Um, first night I was there, they were actually checking on me at the time. Right. And they couldn't find a pulse. The machines were flatlining. They couldn't find anything. Um, mm. Do so you remember I, that time, even though you wasn't? Sweet. Wow. I do. Um, I just remember there was complete darkness. And then I remember just like coming to, I opened my eyes and I told my husband later on, I was like, I just know there was nine people in the room. And he was like, I think you're exactly right on that. But um, they were like, we don't know what happened. We couldn't find you. And then they had to uh, or find your pulse. And so they had to rush me back to emergency surgery to make sure I wasn't still bleeding out. And when they did, they found that um, there was another hole in my stomach that they didn't see. It was missed because there was just so much damage to begin with. So I was I guess, bleeding out from that. And that's what caused, I guess, the me to go postless. How long were you in the hospital? Uh, 22 days. Wow. And how many surgeries did you have? Um, While in the hospital, I had 12. And then since then, I've had three since being discharged. Have you always believed in God? Um, No, I was raised um, Christian, Mm -hmm. um, but I never followed the religion into adulthood. Um, but definitely after this, Listen. I'm like, there's, there's, <laughs> there's a higher being. <laughs> for sure. Listen, why you never believed in God, if you don't mind me asking? Or just followed a religion? I was kind of, I was more so forced into it. Right. And I feel like I was, I didn't really know much about Christianity anyway. Right. And I feel like the more I tried to learn, the more I kind of was like shunned for not knowing, like the older I got. Right. So I kind of just fell back and kind of stayed away. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely now I'm like, there's a higher being and everywhere I turn, I swear there's a sign like a God this, God that. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let, me let me pay attention to the signs. Right. What made you start to believe in your adulthood? It was this situation oh. because I most definitely, I don't know. I, I think I'd always believed, but mm-hmm. I wasn't, my belief wasn't strong. A my firm believer. Strong. Right. Right. Yeah. But, um, and I won't, I won't say that I'm completely firm now, but I'm still like taking these signs and learning. And I'm like, you know what? I owe it to somebody. Right. My body, I shouldn't have survived this. The surgeon told me like, I should not have made it, but I'm here. Do you ever have moments where you'd be like, if there is a guy, why would this happen? Um, surprisingly, no. Okay. My, my only, um, question really is like, when, when does the easier part start? That's that's my only question. I'm like, can we get to where things are a little bit easier, you know, and it feels like, you know, I have more control of my life again. Right. How did this affect your family, especially your husband? Yeah. Um, so it's been incredibly rough, but my husband has been, he has been here since day one, since it happened. Mm-hmm. He, he had to make the call to my mom, um, who lives across the country in California. Wow. And like. My family had to fly out to, you know, they came out to come be with me right? Um, for about a month and a half. So it put a strain on my family financially. Of course. Um, like my family basically like wiped their savings because they had to be here and they helped us. Um, after the shooting, um, they were like, you guys have to move like now. So they moved us to a different place in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And then after that, they helped us move to Iowa um, to be closer to my sister who lives in Iowa. 
Is it black people in Iowa? Not a lot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not a lot. I'm closer in like Cedar Rapids and Des Moines, but Mm -hmm. not in like Iowa City. Okay. I'm like, I don't really know too much about Iowa. (laughs) Yeah, it, there's there's corn. There's corn here. That's about it. There is corn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that is crazy. You know, so I'm I'm not really a big fan of GoFundMe's, right? Because I feel like people abuse GoFundMe's and they use it for selfish reasons. But you know, I did research on you because I'm very. Um, I want to be able to share stories that we can all relate to, but also just to you know give a voice to the voiceless, right? And when I was reading your story or whatever, and I got your GoFundMe, and, you know, I think I saw a video you did on your Facebook, and you was just, like, thoroughly explaining why do you need assistance with this. How does that make you feel? Um, You know, honestly, as growing up as a Black girl and then Black woman now, you know, right. having to fight harder um, for the same things. I guess in a sense it has it, it can get frustrating of course and it's like damn like if I was white like this would have taken off and I would have gotten news coverage but mm, you didn't get how- news coverage Mm-mm. at the time when it happened so because I was shot so many times um they thought that I was like involved in something or like something bad was happening so they had to protect my identity and like everything um so yeah no news coverage no nothing um but Having to like really explain myself, I feel like I've had to do it my whole life. Mm. It's unfair. But at this point, I'm like, right now, it's literally like, I have to go big or go home. And like, if people like, they want to see it all, they want to see all these statements, the past due bills, like how we're still struggling. Like, I have no problem being like so vulnerable. Like, I will give you the information you want. Um, all I ask in return is that you share this post. Like, I'm not asking anything from like, like the general public, we are all struggling. (laughs) We are all going through it. Right. So like, I, I was so grateful that so many fan uh, friends and family like helped us out in the beginning. Um, And unfortunately, I think what many people don't realize this is like now because I was uh, shot so many times and it was so severe. I have lifelong complications now. Right. There's vaccines to get every few years now because I don't have my spleen. Like there's so much stuff that um, goes into the recovery that people don't know that unfortunately it could be another couple of years until, you know, we recover financially from this. But, you know, I have to put it all out there and, you know, at times it kind of feels a little embarrassing, but Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's for the greater good. If this can hopefully reach the right person, the right eyes, you know, like, and not even just for the financial, but like other gun violence survivors. Yeah. I'm like, here we go. That's, I just want to be able to share this story so that, you know, we can bring more awareness to what it's like, not just during when it happens, mm-hmm. but after what um, gun violence survivors have to go through. Yeah. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to definitely give to your, um, your GoFundMe because I can only imagine how, um, no, seriously, because it's, it's giving me emotional, but I can just only imagine, oh. imagine how like, it, it got to be hard to, like, ask people for stuff that you really need. And in fact, I mean, y'all, I was on her page and, like, you was writing, like, I need this for this. And it was, like, a long paragraph. paragraph. And then the next one was, like, another paragraph. And I'm just like, wow. Like, you can see, like, I see your scars, you know. And then I think that, if I'm not mistaken, your husband was in a, a car accident or something before then, right? Um, He was in a work accident, yeah. 
Yeah. So back in 2018, yeah, he was in a really bad work accident. Um, his legs, the bottom half, he had 70% burns on the bottom half of his legs. Yeah, it was, it, whew, that was another <laughs> Right. <laughs> we were, we had just gotten engaged at that time too. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, um, so if anybody, you're the second person I did this for. So y'all know I only do this for people who I really, really believe that that really needs it. But if anybody wants to um, help our guests out, even though she is anonymous, but we all about helping our professional homegirls out, please reach out to me at hello at the phgpodcast.com and I will share you her link. So we can give you some help because, yeah, no, 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 because it's that's heartbreaking. I mean, and the fact that you didn't even know this nigga, was he black or was he white? He was black. Mm. Yep. All right, we get to that later. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about your recovery. Oh, my goodness. So at first, recovery started with um, I had to have a home health nurse for three or four months. Mm -hmm. They would come two to three times a week. So with my abdominal scar, um, I had this thing called a wound vac. Mm -hmm. And basically, um, if you have a really large um, wound, you get a wound vac. It's like this big machine. Um, they place like this special foam over your um, wound. And then it comes with like a plastic seal, basically seals it up. But basically, you're, you have to keep the wound open for it to heal from the inside out so that infections don't brew underneath. Mm. So basically, it, it was sucking out anything that didn't belong to help keep things clean and sanitary. Right. So I had that for th three months. Yeah. Three months. Mm -hmm. uh, and the nightmares with that, like um, sometimes if like the seal wasn't correct on the wound, if it wasn't laying um, flush, um, it would have a leak alert. And there was one night where um, my wound back kept going off. Mm -hmm. And so it's, if your wound is exposed and it's not covered the way it's supposed to be, you know, easier to get infection. Yeah. So I remember specifically there were two different times I had to go to the ER to help have them help me fix my wound back because we were unsure exactly what to do at that point because right. it was just so new to us. Um, eventually we got the hang of it, but um, wow. it was definitely, that was one of the hardest parts was having this machine I had to carry around with me. Um, aside from that, I've had to have... Um, three surgeries. I had um, one to remove a bullet that was lodged in my arm. I had one to remove a bullet that was lodged in my left side that went through the right and it got stuck. Um, and then I had, I just had a nerve block procedure to help with all the nerve pain I've had um, since the incident. Um, I hopefully only have to have at least, I think it's only one or two more um, procedures. Mm -hmm. One is going to be to help finish off, um, basically it's called cryoablation. So it's going to freeze off my nerve so I no longer have the nerve pain. Mm. And then um, one more to evaluate the nerve damage in my arm. So, yeah, um, recovery has been a whirlwind. There has been physical therapy here and there. But um, overall, um, I've had such a great medical team both in Kansas City and in Iowa City. So I'm just so, like, thankful and grateful that I have people that care and are, you know, taking me seriously and here to help me for real. Well, it's good to know that Kansas City got something good going on over there. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. So how does it make you feel when you see the scars in your body? Yeah. Um, in the beginning, the scars didn't really um, bother me as much. My only scar that ever really bothered me was the one on my arm because it's mm -hmm. visible if I wear a short sleeve shirt. And it's quite long. It goes down quite a ways. Um, and there's some days I look at the scars and, you know, you know, sometimes I just break down because it's like, damn, like, 
this shit really happened to me. Yeah. Um, but then other days I'm able to remember that it's just a sign of how strong my body was. Yeah. It kept me alive. It kept my heart beating. That's like, a fact. These scars, like, just, you know, I look at them and they're reminders that I'm I, I'm here for a reason. Yeah. My body pushed through for a reason. And, like, it wasn't given out. They were like, you were probably, like, on the survival, you know? Like, I was stubborn. Like, yeah. when I was in the hospital, I was like, take this tube out of my throat. I was like, do this, do that. Like, I'm ready to go. And um, they were just so happy to see that I had so much, like, motivation to like heal myself and get you know past everything they were like that's that's what's sending you over the top right here this is what's gonna help you you know this this mindset so I try to keep that with the scars in mind too like they're just reminders of how strong my body is how old are you if you don't mind me asking um I will be 26 next week next Sunday (laughs) oh you're an Aquarius I am yeah me too my birthday is on February the 8th Okay, mine's on the fourth. Okay, yes. four days apart. Yes, listen, you are going to do amazing things. There's no way that you survive this and not to out to come out and do something that's going to really help a lot of people out. So, I'm so happy that we connected because I can tell you a fighter, but but a lot of Aquarius are at least the women are. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's amazing. So, were you involved in the legal process? Like, did you have to provide um, statements or like how was that going? How was that for you? Yeah, so the legal process it was it was very long as I think if anyone has ever d- dealt with the legal system they know like that shit takes time. Right, right, right. Um, so it wasn't until this past April. No, hold on. This past I don't know. It was very recent that I attended the sentencing. Oh, actually, it was this this year January. Oh, wow. earlier this month was the sentencing. Yeah, um, wow. and it ended with him getting sentenced to fifteen years. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It was at the end of December. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very end of December. Um, yeah, he was sentenced to 15 years. Um, I did write a witness statement or impact statement and I did share that in court. Um, Wait, how did, how did it come about? Like, how, how did you get to that part? Like, did they reach out to you or did this happen again? Oh, yeah. Um, so with everything, they, the only way they were, they caught him because of the dash cam in my car. Okay. Um, so after that, I guess, he tried to, you know, ditch the car or something, but they en- ended up finding him because they could see his face clearly on my dash cam. Mm. Um, so they found him. And once he was arrested, um, they told me I-, I was still in the hospital at the time. It was three days after the shooting that they arrested him. And um, eventually down the line, um, we had a meeting, one legal meeting, mediation. Right. And then um, later on, um, we actually had like the sentencing, which was at the end of December. And um, I had a victim advocate who worked with me every step of the way. Mm. Um, just communicated with me, let me know what was going on, you know, why things were taking so long. It's just the legal system is just backed up, as we know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, it felt definitely empowering. It was a moment where I felt like I could at least take back a piece of I've lost mm-hmm. um, since it happened, um, being able to read my impact statement. But um, yeah, it was it was a lot. And <laughs> I'm just glad that that part is over with. It's just one less thing, you know, that keeps a negative reminder of, you know, that day. And I want to f- focus on the positive, the good things that continue to come out of what happened.
In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palbociclib. Ibrance 125-milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR-positive HER2-negative NBC as the first hormonal-based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Do you have any thoughts, which I'm sure you do, on how the legal system can be improved to better support survivors? Oh, my goodness. Uh, you were, you So you was in pre-law, and before you answer that, are you going back to school or like? Um, I want to. As soon as I get the physical conditions under control, I want to go back. 
Um, but yeah. Um, Cause you can really oh do your damn thing now. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a story to tell, you know, and back me up. So first things first, um, for sure. We got to start with gun laws, guidelines, regulations. Right. Um, I started a petition and in that petition, um, I, I demand that there be physical, mental, and emotional evaluations for mm. anyone wanting to purchase a firearm um, in that the age restrictions are from 25 to 65 years of age. Because mm-hmm. we see how, you know, um, on both extremes, both sides, how younger individuals may get, you know, firearms and yeah. use them um, irresponsibly. And same thing with older individuals who yeah. use them irresponsibly. But um, um for sure, I think another step would to be start with having a um, attempted murder statute. Missouri does not have an attempted murder statute, which is why this man did not get as much time as he probably Because 15 have. years is not nothing. Right. Like, you shot me seven times. Right. Like, but in the end, I had to, like, make peace with it because um, from what I was learning like 15 to 22 was going to be like the range, like no more, no less than that really. Um, so I kind of had to just understand like, because of like how Missouri set up, like wow. it is what it is at this point. But, so if somebody um, was to, not to cut you off, but if somebody was to kill somebody, how many, how much time do they get in Missouri? Um, I'm not sure about that, but it it's attempted murder. So like the, because he attempted to murder me, right. <laughs> there's no statute on that. So if you were to murder someone, I think 30. Actually, I think it is 30 for um homicide. That's still not enough time. Homicide, yeah. Homicide. That's crazy. I think 30 to life, just depending on, I guess, the circumstances. Yeah, but, give these um, niggas life. Yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like crazy. I can't come back if something was to happen to me. So Right, exactly. And that's that's the crazy part about it is to have it happen to you and you live through it. And then you still have to deal with all the bullshit on top of that. Right. Like, you know, from the legal side, from the recovery side, um, financial side, it's, it's a lot for sure. Right. Right. So when did you discover that he had a mental health issue? Um, so I think it wasn't until like later on after mediation and stuff um, from then, but um, just knowing that uh, I guess, I think where I'm, I remember seeing like when I learned that and seeing him again at like the sentencing, I was like, okay, it just kind of brought the human side back to him. Mm. And um, I told him that I forgave him. Oh, y'all spoke. Um, mm-hmm. I told him I forgave him. Um, and just seeing like, I don't know. I don't know if it's remorse, you know, I don't know. I'd probably be scared in handcuffs in a jumpsuit, you know, about to go to prison. I don't know if it's just the fear, but I was like, I forgive you. Um, you need to forgive yourself. And like, cause I, I don't have that space to hold hate in my heart. Like it, like literally it could kill me. Like I can't, my stress levels, I got to keep them down, you know? Right. Um, so just to the legal system, you know, it definitely, it needs better ways of supporting survivors and definitely um, better statutes and guidelines when it comes to anything firearm related, because we, we all know in America, it is, it is quite an issue. Gun violence is, it runs rampant here and, you know, and there's a, a, <laughs> yeah. And there's a, a really, really huge intersection when it comes to gun violence and mental health. Yep. 
really you know not just yeah it's not just about protecting those you know who have mental health conditions it's about protecting everybody yeah um like even for myself like from this i have obviously developed ptsd like i can say for myself in no way shape or form do i need to be in possession of a firearm i went through something so traumatic and i you know at times with ptsd you don't know when you can get triggered. Yeah. So you, I, if you had a gun, you know, child. Right? Like, we got to take this shit seriously. We yeah. really need to open our eyes, make noise so that these, you know, politicians, lawmakers, like, see and, like, understand, like, situations like mine, unfortunately, they're not as rare as you think they are. And that's probably one of the scariest things, these random isolated events and then individuals who... Um, are not able to handle a firearm responsibly. Right. When you first saw him, like, what did you think? Like, before you told um, him that you forgave him? Um, so I think just my brain's, like, natural response, you know, like, it was fear initially. Like, I remember, like, hiding, trying to hide behind my husband. Like, I saw him and I just got scared. Yeah. But, like, just kind of learning about who he was and, like, I don't know. And, like, just who I am, just trying to make the best of this. Right. And not continue to focus on all the negative that comes out of it. Because there's a lot. So just being able to want to move forward and, like, say those words, I forgive you. And those are powerful words. (laughs) And allow myself to fully, like, forgive him and, like, learn that what happened? No, it was not okay. Right. He damn near ended my life but at the end of it i'm still here so (laughs) i'm not gonna shut the fuck up i'm gonna keep making noise yeah and i'm gonna fight for change like this it was unacceptable what happened i forgive the shooter i forgive the person that shot me but let's make sure this shit doesn't keep happening it doesn't need to keep happening and did he say that's where i'm at and did he say anything back to you um, so basically the only thing I was told was like, um, he thought I was someone else. Yo, you know, what's so crazy when you was talking, I'm like, he probably thought you was somebody else. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the only explanation I got. I don't know if I fully believe that, but I'm going to take it because there's nothing else I can do. Yeah. You know, like that's it. I'm trying to put that side of it, put him behind me, you know, like right. it's out of my mind. Wow. So how does this change your perspective on forgiveness? Like, you know, um, I feel like I've typically been one to forgive. Yeah. Um, just because I don't want to hold on to that negativity. I want to be able to just like let that shit go. Right. Um, and just really just focus on the bright side of things and try to keep moving forward. Like I'm not perfect by any means. Like right. don't get me wrong. I have my days like I hate this. I hate you. I hate that. You know, right. like I, you know, I'm not having it. But um I think forgiveness is so it's not it's not for the other person. It's, it's for, for you. you. Facts. Yeah. So that you can make peace with what's happened to you or what's been done to you and be able to keep moving forward. Because that's what I want to do. I don't want to let what happened to me hold me back. Yeah. So what do you think we can do about road rage? Because I just feel like, like, in your case, you didn't do anything wrong. But, you know, in some cases, like, road rage really do bring out the worst in niggas. Yeah. So with road rage uh, specifically, I think probably the best thing we could do is to remember not to drive distracted 
Um, I think a lot of times, at least what I noticed um, from being out in Kansas City, a lot of people text and drive. And mm. I've noticed, you know, people tend to like swerve or, you know, stuff like that. And right. it's very easy for some people to just like go from zero to a hundred and mm-hmm. like take that as you trying to do something, you know? So I think one of the best things we could do probably is start with less distracted driving. And then from there, I'm not quite sure where to go, but I think that's, that's probably the first step in just remembering like everybody on the road has a place to go. So let's just get there safely. Like, yeah. The story. <laughs> are you back driving? Like, are you comfortable with driving again? Yeah, I could not wait to start driving again. Surprisingly, really? like my therapist, the doctors, they were like, "You're not afraid to drive," and I was like, "No, like that—that's my piece of independence." Mm-hmm. Um, like once I turned eighteen, like in my parents' house, like that was it. Like I had my license, like I was good to go, you know. Right. So like um, driving has always been uh, part of my independence, and I will say, like um, I will say, going out in public has been an adjustment. I'm still um, learning to like be more comfortable and. Rooms with other people because I've um, developed this fear of un- feeling unsafe. Yeah, that's <laughs> my next question about how do you protect yourself? Like, do you feel safe? Yeah. Like, do you feel comfortable? Yeah, I. Um, it's been a work in progress. Um, mm-hmm. I have a really great therapist, so um, he's helping me, you know, work through this. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I definitely, I don't always feel safe, and you know, also living in a predominantly white area, I don't always feel the safest. Yeah. So it's kind of like two things kind of working at play, you know, working against me, it feels like sometimes. Um, but little by little, I'm learning to um, be more comfortable going out. Like I can go out and grocery shop, but mm-hmm. um, if you try to get me to sit down with five people I don't know, it's not going to happen. Like right. I have to be able to see my exits. I have to be able, this is all PTSD. So like yeah. I got to be able to escape if I need to, but um I'm working through it. It is definitely really hard because I I can't just trust people. Mm-hmm. But um it's it is a journey for a reason. So it's ups and downs. <laughs> yeah. Has your relationship with your friends changed like Yeah, I can yes. only imagine. You know, in the beginning, um so out in Kansas City, we my husband and I had just recently moved there, so we weren't there too long. Right. So we didn't know too many people, but like friends from back home and stuff. Um I would just reach out to them and they would reach out to me, make sure I'm okay, stuff like that. But um, definitely it seemed that people don't really quite know how to talk to you or interact with you after something um, so horrific. So I definitely haven't heard from some friends in quite some time. But um, otherwise, um, there's other people that have been here and, you know, they're here to stay. And they're like, I got you, like, no matter what you need. So I'm very grateful for them. How does that make you feel about the ones you haven't heard from? You know... I have learned over time to not take it personally. Yeah. People deal with trauma and, you know, horrendous things in their own way. And some people just have to pull away and get away. And you know what? I try not to hold that against people. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> it's yeah. hard. No, it is. So how do you, like, do you have to, like, what do you do when it comes to having conversations about, about mental health? Because I feel like mental health has recently, I mean, when I was your age, mental health was like non-existent. Like when you talk about mental health, people thought you was crazy. So in today's <laughs> age, people feel like, you know, mental health is like, you know, invest in yourself, like take care of yourself, make sure you're good. So now that you yeah. have your own, you know, I'm pretty sure you have your struggles with mental health. And then especially with this situation, they heighten. And then also mm-hmm. just taking consideration of the person who did this to you had mental health issues. Like how do you have conversations with people about this? Oh my goodness. So, um, 
when it comes to mental health, it just, I have to, I try to remind people like it, it's a spectrum. Like it, some days I'll give you an example. Like some days I'm good to go. I'm running errands. I'm cleaning the whole house. Right. Like I'm on top of the world. But then other days I can't stop crying. You know, I can't get out of bed. Like I'm struggling. Yeah. Um, so when I talk to people about it, I'm just real. And I'm like, look, I have my good days. I have my bad days. And just try to like remind people like, Regardless of what you've been through, big trauma, little trauma, like trauma, we're all trauma. working through shit. Yeah. We're all trying to, you know, work to develop and become our best selves. So I just tried to remind myself and, you know, anyone that asked, like, look, um, easier said than done. But the really the key is giving yourself grace. That yeah, is facts. Do not be so hard on yourself. And I am still learning this. I am still working so hard to, you know, take it easy on myself. Um, but that's like the biggest takeaway I've learned so far is like, give yourself grace. Like nobody else is going to give it to you freely, you know, sometimes. So Mm -hmm. you have to be your biggest advocate and, you know, the person that loves you most. So, you know, give yourself grace and be kind to yourself. Yeah. And last but not least, if you would have died, could you say you live your life to the fullest? Absolutely not, which is why now for okay. sure I'm doing anything and everything I can. <laughs> yeah. You outside now, right? I'm outside. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think about I that? Can't oh, hell yeah. Like I now like I is I'm in my yes era, right? Yes. Like I'm saying yes. I'm like, I'm ready to go. Like I have a friend that I met through the Changemaker Summit and everything about gun violence. And so we're already like planning to like book trips. I've never been out of the country. So I'm like, hell yeah. Take me to Jamaica. Take me to New Zealand. I don't care. Let's go. Like, yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. I don't have any money, but I'm ready. <laughs> right, right, right. Listen, when, <laughs> I was gonna your, figure it out. when I was your age, I didn't have no money, child. And I did a lot. So you saying my age. You look so young. I thought we're the same age. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, you know what's so crazy? You turned in 27, right? 26. 26. I have 11 years on you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You look good. <laughs> thank you. I know, right? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. you thank really you. Good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm so happy we had this conversation. I, I, I'm just so proud of you. Like, you, you yeah. didn't give up. Like, you're still going. Like, I'm. I really do believe that there's a reason why you are still here, and I just can't wait for us to do a follow up a couple of years yes. from now. And you just <laughs> like, I'm doing this. I'm doing that because there's a reason why you're here. There's no way that you would have made that with all the complications that you have and you flatline yeah. and yep. here you are. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy we had this conversation. Thank you. Me too. And thank you so much. This was so like comfortable and easy and you're so sweet. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Listen, y'all, when I tell y'all I was running home cause I'm never late for a conversation. <laughs> I'm like, yo, New York trains are trash sometimes. But it to, happens. It happens. Right. <laughs> and like I said to the listeners, you know, this, y'all know y'all been with me for a very long time, but this is the second time I am doing this. So if you would love to support our guest on her journey, please reach out to me at hello at the phdpodcast.com and I will share with you her GoFundMe link. So let's be generous now. Let's be a blessing to others so we can get a blessing in return now. Okay. <laughs> And to my guests, thank you so much. I appreciate you. And I would definitely be checking in with you. And happy early birthday. 
Thank you so much and happy early birthday to you. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Yes. And to the listeners, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please make sure to email me at hello at the phdpodcast.com. And until next time, everyone, later. You're not going to say bye? Oh, bye. <laughs> <laughs>